listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. We guys pray the Lord's Prayer with me. And while we pray it, um, I want you to just, I want you to hear the words coming out of your own mouth as if they're washing over you, as if they're like going out and raining grace back down on you. Uh, who in here is, is thankful for the power of prayer? Who in here is thankful for the gentleness and patience of our Lord and working with us through all of our unbelief and doubt? Isn't he good? Isn't he good? Well, let's, let's pray this prayer together. And again, just really take to heart these words. And I'm going to pray in uh, old King Jimmy. So it's going to be Hollywood instead of holy. <laughs> our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, Jesus starts off that prayer in probably the, the most inflammatory way that he could. When he says, our father, Jesus was the first religious leader, the first prophet, the first person of Israel to refer to God, Yahweh, the creator, to refer to God as father. And it's one of the reasons why the Pharisees wanted him to kill him so badly. And, and right then and there, he's not just saying, don't, he's, he's not teaching us to pray, Jesus is father who is in heaven. He's saying our. So he's including us in the family of God. And then he said, and then he jumps into the, these words about, about kingdom. And so right there, Jesus connects family and kingdom. His prayer starts off uh, with our identity as sons and, and daughters and, and the father's identity as our father. And then he launches into kingdom, which means that if it's not family, it's not kingdom. Did you guys hear that? If it's not in the context of family, familial love, hearts knit together by the Holy Spirit, sons and daughters of our common father. If, we, if it's not in the context of family, then it can't be kingdom. You know, when, um, when God created Adam and Eve, he, he wasn't creating uh, servants or robots. He, was, he wanted children. When the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit looked within themselves at the glorious love and divine romance and unbroken communion and this ecstatic joy that they shared forever from before creation, they said within themselves, let us make man in our own image. Just like parents would make kids. You know, any parent in here knows that you didn't make your children so that they could serve you, did you? <laughs> In fact, it, 
It, it's quite the opposite. It takes like a billion acts of our selfless love towards our children before we even feel like they are saying thank you. <laughs> and you know that moment, parents, like when you, your, your kid is like a year or two old and, and you hand them like a bottle or a snack and they look up at you with gratitude, you're like, oh, oh you appreciate me? <laughs> like, I'm not just like <laughs> your food delivery system and butt wipe, like I am your, <laughs> like you actually love me back? Like that's, it's this amazing moment. Y- y'all can testify, right? So he made kids and then um, he delegated his authority. And people will ask like, well, why, did, why, did, why does God delight in delegated authority? And it's, just, it's the nature of love. You want to see your beloveds grow up into the power, authority, and identity that you know that they have, right? And so he gave us dominion over earth. If you were wondering what your first call is, it is to rule planet earth. That is the the four purposes of man were to uh, have dominion, to commune with God, to to multiply. And we're expanding the paradise of Eden over planet earth. So he he gave us dominion. But what happened is that a usurper, the serpent, which is kind of a play on words, the usurping serpent, deceived Eve, (laughs) and we handed over our delegated authority. We gave him dominion, and we became slaves to the one that we obeyed. Are y'all hanging with me? That means that the domain of darkness then took over rulership of the earth. But God, obviously, had a plan from the beginning hatched within the heart of the Trinity to come himself in the likeness of man and bear all of the ramifications, all the consequences of the curse upon himself and redeem nations back to God. You know, when when God was pronouncing the, the consequences of sin, pronouncing what we would call the curse, He wasn't just saying it to them. He was proclaiming it knowing full well that he himself would carry every single one of those burdens. So we became subservient to the one that we obeyed. And Daniel, the prophet Daniel actually prophesied from a king's dream, which is insanely cool in and of itself. This heathen king has a dream from God and Daniel not only knows the meaning of the dream, comes in and tells him the dream. And I'm gonna boil it down to you like, like this. He said, there are gonna be three major kingdoms after your kingdom. And then the time of the third, that third major kingdom, God is going to set up a kingdom that will have no end and will put an end to every other kingdom. So Daniel was prophesying, it actually lines up with the major kingdoms in the time of Roman rule, Christ would come and set up a kingdom that would last forever. And Jesus comes on the scene in the time of Roman rule. And what were some of the first words out of his mouth? The kingdom of heaven 
is at hand. And people who have been living in darkness, in deep darkness, under the power of the the ruler of darkness, in the domain of darkness, are hearing words that are pure light for the first time. They're seeing what the Father is really like for the first time. And Jesus is saying, he, so when, when the fall happened, what came in with the domain of darkness were things like sickness and, and disease like, and death and famine and natural disasters and poverty, etc. Like those are the dealings of the domain of darkness, right? And so how did Jesus come and show everyone that a greater kingdom is at hand? Well, when there was sickness, he healed it. He would even touch lepers, which it was unlawful to do. Could you imagine being one of those lepers and and not having felt human touch? Being an outcast of society, having everyone assume that you're cursed of God and then God shows up and hugs you? Could you imagine Jesus coming to one of those lepers and embracing or touching, saying, be healed, looking him in the eyes, saying, I'm willing. So when there were storms, he calmed them. When there was hunger and lack, he multiplied food. When there was death, he resurrected people. Bill Johnson puts it like this. Jesus ruined every funeral he ever went to, including his own. (laughs) So if everyone died in God's timing, then why would Jesus, who is God, resurrect them? We can rightly say that not everyone was dying in God's timing. Because Jesus came and undid death. When there was spiritual oppression, Jesus delivered people of demons. One of the main things I I want to get across today is that we cannot have a God who both sends disease to teach people lessons and heals diseases to free people from the power of darkness. That is cognitive dissonance. That is a kingdom divided. And I, I know that when we, when we really think about this stuff, when we really look into it, we think, oh, that was, I can't believe I was believing that. That's just silly, right? Because even people who like teach it or, or believe in it, they, they have like a theological construct in their minds, but when they get sick, where do they go? They go to the doctor to get well. Well, brother, aren't you fighting against God who gave you that disease to humble you? No, of course not. Like, we all, aren't you thankful that we live better than our theology most of the time? (laughs) He's called the great physician because he came to heal us. So um, when when, when I say that we're... Most of us, we we live better than our theology. What that means is that our innate behavior shows that we believe in a better father than we profess. This this 
happens often with, with parents. Uh, if you're anything like me, you love the stuffing out of your children, right? Like you just want to hug them straight into your own heart. Like, <laughs> and, and you, do, you, you hope big things for them and you believe amazing things about them and you speak. And then you, it, undoubtedly, if you're anything like me, you're, you're looking at your kids and you're loving them and like so thankful for them and you see their destiny and all of a sudden you realize, I don't believe that my father believes that about me. And then you, like the waterworks start and the, the Holy Spirit begins to unravel years of self-hatred, years of false identity, years of the poverty spirit, years of the performance spirit, and you, and you begin this journey of falling back into the loving arms of your dad in heaven. Ashley and I, uh, we went to Mexico, Guadalajara last week to visit family, and uh, my kids were most excited about the day that we got to swim in a swimming pool which made me think that maybe we could have just gone to the YMCA <laughs> instead of flying to Guadalajara. <laughs> Isn't it just like kids? Like you could give them the trip of a lifetime to Paris and all they talk about and remember is the candy you gave them on the airplane, you know? <laughs> can, we, can we get it on the airplane again so you can give me candy? Anyways, um, they're super stoked about the pool, especially... Um, uh, my, our third born, who's my second daughter, her name's Jane, she's just, she loves jumping in the pool and swimming all day. And so we go to this pool, the weather's perfect, they're swimming for a couple hours, and then my kids discover that there's this playground, like nearby with monkey bars. And, and so they take a break from the pool after a couple hours and, and go, and Jane is masterful on the monkey bars. She goes across them so fast, and so she's saying, dad, watch me, dad, what, dad, watch me, watch me. And I'm watching her and she, she does it. She's just like, she's showing off her professional monkey skills. And then when she drops down, like there's a, there's a disturbed look on her face and she looks at her hands and what had happened is her hands had been pruned from being in the water for so long. And then when she went on the monkey bars, it tore off a bunch of the skin on her palm, like, and yeah, I know, you guys, it, it looked like four large blisters had just been ripped off one hand and the other hand is hurting really bad too. And she, she starts shaking. She's like, ow, 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 ow. And, I, and I, the, that pain sets in. And you know, have you ever seen a, a child who's confused about the level of pain that they're in and your heart just breaks? You're like, oh, I wish I could just take that pain. I would take it for you, you know? That's what our father is thinking, which is what he did. He carried our infirmity, and the greatest infirmity was our sin disease, right? So I, I bring her close to me, and um, I say, look, 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 I'm going to pray. And I start praying, and, I, and I'm like commanding. And she, and she says, I'm, I'm being very vulnerable in this moment. She says, Dad, that, that's not going to do anything. And uh, as a dad, it hit me really deep um, because I realized that I'm not talking to my kids enough about the power of healing that we have in Jesus' name. And so um, 
She runs off to mom, hoping to get some like lotion and candy. Um, <laughs> now, don't worry, I'm not getting into self uh, like condemnation or self punishment. Um, I just, just like the rest of us, I don't want my kids' faith to rest on fine-sounding arguments. I want their faith to rest on manifestations, demonstrations of the Spirit's power. And so I am now compelled to ask God for more power because I want to demonstrate, I want to represent Jesus to my own children. I want us as a church to ask for more power so that we can represent Jesus who tears down the domain of darkness through the kingdom, through healing. Can you guys turn to Luke 11? She's fine, by the way. It was just, you know, it took a day. She's, she's good. Now she's got some calluses. Um, <clears throat> and one thing I want to say, I, I don't believe that God hurt my daughter to teach me a lesson. I believe that he is going to redeem that pain so beautifully because he is able to work all things for the good of those who love him. And, you know, when, when difficult things happen and God redeems them really beautifully, he has the ability to redeem them in such an amazing way that we're tempted to think that he authored that destruction, but he doesn't author destruction. Amen. It's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus, who on the exact opposite side of the spectrum came to give us life abundantly, life to the full. Uh, he's told us these things that our joy will be complete. He wants us to have abundant life. So Luke 11, this is, these are verses 14 through 20. This is how Jesus comes along and demonstrates the kingdom. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. Pause. Crazy, right? Did you guys catch that the demon was mute? which made the man mute, which means that we actually take on the nature of what we nurture. Ew. So a lot of us, when we're experiencing, let's, let's do like a, a really common demon of today, a really common spiritual oppression of this day and age, anxiety, okay? Anxiety isn't something that is happening to us. It is a lie being whispered to us from a demon that is anxious. Does that make sense? It's not just that we're fearful. It's that there is a spirit of fear, which means that spirit is fearful. Or if you come into like a room and you have, let's say you have, uh, is it agoraphobia, like fear of public place or fear, fear of gathering with people, you start to hear these voices saying, I'm a failure. These people, if they really knew me, they wouldn't want me here. What you're actually hearing is the demon saying, I'm a failure. If they really knew me, they wouldn't want me here. That's what's happening in the unseen realm. Okay, so Jesus is casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people were, and the people marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. While others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, 
Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they'll, they'll be your judges. But if, I, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There's that kingdom language again. Entry level, bottom basement, kingdom coming is the casting out of demons. It's so easy for God that all it takes is his finger. His pinky finger, boop, just <laughs> knocking demons off people, you know? If the, if the kingdom of God, if, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Um, I, I was leading a, a ministry school many years ago, and um, this girl emailed in because she heard that I had a foot healing anointing, which at the time I did. It was really weird. There, I know that sounds crazy, but I saw like four people's feet get healed in the course of one month. And so this girl heard about it, emailed in and said, hey, I have debilitating pain in my feet all the time. It feels like I'm walking on fiery needles. I have to wear these ridiculous shoes. Um, they're like these orthopedic, super cushy shoes. And um, would you mind praying for me? And I, said, and I basically said, yeah, I would love to pray for you, but come in tomorrow at this time because I knew that the, the class would be gathered and I wanted the kid, like the other students, to see the kingdom advance and, and, and heal this, this girl. And so she comes in and she's a pretty young woman and she's got these thick shoes on and she's like, I just want to be able to wear heels. I'm like, we understand. Um, and so I, I had her sit down and uh, we begin to pray, and I got, um, I got a word of knowledge. I, I, I said, um, we'll call her Sarah. I said, Sarah, I feel like the Lord showed me that you are the first believer in your family. Your parents are into Eastern mysticism, and this is the attempt of the enemy to ruin or make, make miserable your new walk with God. And she said that like every word was true. And so we begin to pray, and she starts twitching, right? And shaking, and, and uh, you guys have seen stuff like this before. Um, and she's, she's manifesting an unseen spirit. It's being made evident. It was there all along, but now it's losing its ability to hide because the light's increasing, which is a good thing. No one wakes up on a Sunday morning and says, I hope I throw up a demon at church. <laughs> but when we do, <laughs> aren't you so grateful that you did? You feel a lot better after, <laughs> after that deliverance. So anyway, she's twitching. And, I, I, and, I, and so I stopped the prayer and I just addressed her. I said, hey, Sarah. Um, do you realize that you're twitching and some like weird groans and noises are coming out of you? And she goes, really? Oh, oh no. <laughs> and I said, oh, don't, don't worry. It's just residual spiritual oppression and we can take care of it right now if you don't mind. And she said, yes, please. And so 
I began to address the spirit. And I, and, I, and I also told her, I think that when this spiritual oppression leaves, your feet will be healed. And I'm, I'm using kind of like toned down terms. I didn't want to say to her, thou hast a demon from hell. You know, I wanted to... <laughs> just being polite and smiling. And, and, um, and so we pray and she, she starts really, this, this thing does not want to leave its place. And this crazy voice comes out of her. She juts her head to the side and says, we're not coming out. And I start laughing. Um, it really made me laugh. And so I said, yes, you are. And, and, but I, I recognized that I should, like, it was, this demon was trying to make a show of the moment. And so I said, hey, Stephanie, uh, Sarah, what I want you to do is go into this other room with a few people, these few trusted women, and um, I want you to pray with them. And I want you to break agreement with anything that comes to mind or repent of anything that comes to mind. And I believe that God will, um, is going to heal you. And so she does, and that's exactly what happens. And she emails like two months later saying, that thing left that day, the pain left that day. I'd had it for nine years and I haven't had to wear those stupid shoes. And, and, then, and then she joined our ministry school. <laughs> the reason that the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of Satan. So a work of Satan in her life was that oppression and that pain, and Jesus came to destroy it. And we got to witness it. We got to step in that moment. We got to partner with the Holy Spirit through the conduit of our faith in Christ to see that thing change. Something that had been with her for nine years wasn't able to be with her the very next day because they ran into people that believed in the name of Jesus. So he gives us access, power, authority to be his ambassador. You guys know that we are ambassadors for Christ. We're not super familiar with the term ambassador uh, because I, I don't think that anyone in this room has ever been sent as a delegate from another country to represent the, the, the leader of that nation. But an ambassador essentially has the, he represents the leadership, the choices that he makes and the, the way that he speaks and the way that he demonstrates his character is a direct reflection on the king that he's representing in that other country. And the things that he says carry the same power as the king. And so we are ambassadors for Jesus in this current age where Jesus has bound up the strong man that is the devil and we get to plunder the strong man's house. We got to see the disciples do all sorts of awesome miracles as Acts 4.29, it says, now Lord, consider their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then after they prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken and they went out and proclaimed the gospel, the good news with great boldness. Many were added to their number. So the disciples not only were given power, given authority to trample serpents, not only given authority to undo the domain of darkness, they asked for greater degrees of it, which means that we get to ask for miracles. It's not being selfish to ask 
for manifestations of the Spirit's power, we are strongly admonished to. Paul even says, greatly desire the best gifts. He's like, he ranks prophecy above above tongues and says, guys, you want to prophesy. Like, we want to see miraculous healing break out in our midst. Y'all remember when uh, John T. Baptist got imprisoned and, um, and he had this moment where he wanted to know if Jesus was the one or if we should look for another. Now, there's a lot of people that say he was, you know, this is, he wasn't really doubting. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I haven't had a conversation with John yet, but um, he wanted to know if Jesus was the one or should we look for another. And so he sends two disciples to Jesus and, and, and they ask Jesus, hey, are you, are you the guy? Because if you're not, then we need to start looking for the, like, the real guy. And Jesus answers, this is Luke 7, 21 through 23. It says, at that time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor, and blessed is anyone who is not offended because of me. There are so many different prophecies that identify the Messiah, right? There's just a bunch of them. We're, we're coming up on Easter, we're gonna go through some of them. In Christmas time, we go through a bunch of them. And Jesus could have like, told them, hey, go remind John that I was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, just like the, the prophets prophesied. He could have he referenced any of those dozens of prophecies identifying him as the Messiah, but he chose to identify himself through the prophecies that he would undo sickness. He would raise the dead. He's actually referencing Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. These are famous prophecies saying that the Messiah is gonna come. He's gonna bring joy because bam, 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 and lists out all these amazing things that Jesus is going to do. And so in that moment, Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah and you can know that for sure because I'm doing these amazing things. There's this one time that this girl came forward for healing and one of her legs was four inches shorter than the other and she walked up, she had hip pain and back pain. And, and I just, I said, well, why don't you sit down in, in the chair and, and, and let me hold your, your feet and my hands. And it wasn't, it was undeniable, unmistakable how much shorter one leg was than the other. And I said, hey, let's try something. I want us both to keep our eyes open and I want you to command your leg to grow in the name of Jesus and I'll agree with you. And she's like, okay. And so we're like, grow, leg, in the name of Jesus. It wasn't pretty. We're like, you, you listen here, leg. <laughs> you start growing in Jesus' name. And we just kept, kept on repeating that in like slightly different ways. And about, about 20 to 30 seconds into us praying, my hands are like this. We both, with our open eyes, watch your leg go. And Wooden didn't get shorter. She got taller. <laughs> Always be specific when you're praying. You don't want to like get shorter. 
<laughs> and she's crying. I'm like, I'm emotionally compromised. And like, I just saw a leg undeniably grow four inches in the span of several seconds. She stands up and she looks unsteady on her legs because they've never been the same length before. And she's testing out her new leg and she's crying. And the next week, you know what happens? She brings her whole family. There was a whole row of these awesome Mexicans whose niece and daughter and friend got healed at the last Sunday service. And um, during worship, I heard this, this, this word of knowledge. I heard the Lord whisper, C-3PO. And I was like, C-3PO? Like, like what does that mean, Lord? And, and I felt like he said, C-3, pain over. And so I was like, is C-3 like a disc in the back? Whatever. So I grabbed the mic and I said, hey, I feel like the Lord showed me that there's someone who's like C-3 disc has slipped and he wants your pain to be over. It was the girl's uncle sitting right next to her. He comes up, he gets healed on stage in front of everyone. I put the mic in front of him and he said, the only reason I'm here today is because my niece's leg grew last week and I saw her, who she dealt with pain her whole life. Her hips are better. She walks in a straight line. She doesn't need like all the pains and she's testifying of her healing after he gets healed. The whole family is getting wrecked by Jesus. This is our last scripture for today. Turn to John 10. We're going to end it here. You put it up there. It's John 10, 37 through 39. I'm going to read just this first line from the NIV because I feel like it's really potent. Jesus says, don't believe me unless I do the works of my father. Don't believe me. Don't believe in me unless I do the works of my father. Next verse. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Jesus, uh, in the course of scripture, yeah, this is an awesome verse. They tried to seize him, but he did one of those disappearing acts again. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, Jesus did at least 40 miracles that made it into scripture. Um, But there are even a couple instances in scripture where it said a, a large crowd had gathered. They were crowding around him. And there were two different times where it said, and he healed them all like power just flowing from Jesus. So we, we can't be sure how many people got miraculously healed in, in the course of Jesus's earthly ministry. We have no right to ask people to believe in God if they don't see us manifesting God. Those are Jesus's words. He's saying, you don't have to believe me if I'm not doing what my dad does. Which means like, I, I want us to begin to ask for power. Even, even ask the hard questions, ask the uncomfortable questions, ask the why questions, ask the how questions of God. Go on a journey together through the uncomfortable you know, parts of not knowing fully what's going on. I want to journey with you into living like Jesus, and Jesus never taught us how to live without miracles. 
So can we pray together and ask for even more manifestations of the Spirit's power? And, and let's rejoice. Look, Jesus, we're so thankful for all the healings we've been seeing in the last several months. Lord, thank you, God. <clears throat> Thank you for the joints that have been healed, the, the digestive systems, the ears that have been opened. Jesus, thank you for that girl's suicide scars that disappeared. Thank you, Jesus, that your power is manifesting. But God, we ask for even more. Jesus, you said that these works we would do and even greater than these we would do because you go to the Father. So Lord, we boldly ask for manifestations of the Spirit's power to flow through us because we want to represent you rightly to this city, to these families. In Jesus' name, amen.